What's up, everyone? This is Jason and John, and you're listening to another Jelly Cards podcast. Tops had their industry conference in Arizona and gave us a great outlook of what's to come this year for Tops. Also, John and I give you our do's and don'ts of the hobby because these are key points that have helped grow Jelly Cards to what it is today. So sit back, relax, and let's roll that music. Welcome back to episode 17 of the Jelly Cards Spread the Hubby Love podcast. I do want to uh, touch base on the TOPS uh, industry conference real quick because that uh, happened recently. And they gave out some pretty, sh- I don't know, I guess maybe some shocking uh, <laughs> info uh, in relations to TOPS going forward for the 2023 year and some of the sets that they um, – plan on actually not releasing this year which uh was kind of surprising to me because one of the sets that they said they are not going to release this year is a set that you actually enjoy <laughs> you used to buy into which was uh tops first edition yeah so how do you feel about that i think i mean it's it's totally fine it like i we mentioned it on the previous podcast episode that uh I said that if Fanatics was going to go in there and take over and do something with Tops, I wouldn't mind if they took away some sets so that less sets are being released and yep. they can focus more of their attention on the like their their biggest sellers. Basically, I, I appreciate that they did the first edition things like that because it, it's just another Bowman or Top set that you can buy into and it's kind of fun to collect. But I mean. Like we've talked about, once Chrome comes out and the autos are inserted into the packs and all that hype starts boosting and boosting, those first edition cards kind of kind of die out and they lose their value. So, I, yeah, it's rough. It kind of stinks. But at the same time, if, if it means that they'll focus more on quality control for their other sets and kind of also give more attention to redemption autos and things like that, I, I support it. Yeah, and that's that's that was my takeaway from it too. Was the first thing I thought of was like, does this mean that they're gonna put way more emphasis on the sets that actually matter? Like, because let's be honest, not every set that these companies print and release to us are valuable. I mean, that's just the honest truth about it. And some of the sets that they're not going to release in 2023 is, like I said, first edition, uh, opening day, which was shocking to me as well because opening day i think they said in one of the articles i was reading has been around since like the early 90s and they've been releasing that set uh tops gold label um, tops gallery tops fire uh clearly authentic bowman chrome x which i don't even think i've ever even bought a <laughs> bowman chrome x before and then uh, archive snapshots which again is like a set that was like i okay like <laughs> But um, looking off of those uh, those sets, though, like w- one of the ones that obviously stood out to me was the first edition, which, you know, I know that was a set that you and Eric enjoyed buying into. Um, but Topps Gold Label, I was kind of shocked by, too, because Topps Gold Label kind of has more of like, I don't know if I guess the word like sophisticated look to it. Yeah. It's kind of got like a little bit of a higher end look to the card. And it surprises me that they would take away a set like that, 
but they kept like tops like Stadium Club, you know, or they kept uh, what was yeah. the other one like Tops Now, I think, or something. Yes, you know, there, there's some sets that they are still going to release that I kind of questioned versus like the sets that they decided to take away. Like opening day, I can understand that. Yeah. Opening day, those cards are practically printed on like paper mache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I remember that I, uh, you bought. I I did. It was back in uh, 2020. They were at Target for 9.99 uh, for a blaster boxes, and I bought three of them. I mean, hey, I I pulled some. Uh, I think like Bobachet rookies out of it and stuff. But realistically, those it's I mean, yeah. those cards were poor quality. I mean, the thinnest of cardboard you can possibly find to print the card on they used for opening day yes um tops fire i was kind of shocked by too because that was like another kind of cool looking set it kind of um i related it to a lot of like the panini like phoenix yeah you know so it was i was a little shocked by that one but i'm guessing these are probably not great sets for them in terms of like the like this uh selling aspect of it right Exactly. Yeah, Tops Fire. I actually I enjoyed that set too. I think it's retail only. They don't make hobby boxes for Tops Fire, mm-hmm. so it's um. You're probably right. They they probably went through their entire list and are like, hey, all of these products we print this much and we sell this much, so we got we got to cut back on all that. And hopefully that means that they'll put more time and energy into, like I said, the sets that matter, like Bowman Baseball Top Series. Um, you know, tops, Chrome, those type of sets, and maybe even print more. Because here's the thing, as a buyer, when you're going out and you're looking for tops, let's, we'll just say tops Chrome. And I'm going to targets and I'm going to Walmarts or Myers, wherever you're buying your cards from. And there's no tops Chrome on the shelves, but what's sitting there, you know, like what's sitting there, your tops opening day, your, you know, your, top stadium club, you know, Allen and Ginter. And, and it's like the sets that you don't want, like the sets that aren't valuable. That's the reason why they're sitting there on the shelves. Yes. Take those away. You know, <laughs> stop. No offense. It, no offense. If you're a big, you know, buyer into Allen and Ginter or whatever, you know, I had a little mini phase where I was like, Hey guys, let's, <laughs> buy, you know what I mean? Like, but honestly, like, don't print those sets, put way more emphasis on the sets that matter and print more. So it's more available to your everyday buyer who actually wants to buy into them. That's, you know, it's a double-edged sword there. If you do that, then you kind of, you could eventually end up killing the, the rarity of the cards that you hit. Well, you can still, you can still keep the same print numbers for all the cards, but just obviously make more of the base ones, right? Or like more of like, you know, I mean, you know what I mean? I know what you're saying. Um, but one set that they are bringing back for this year, <laughs> Tops Big League Baseball. Yeah, I knew you were going to bring that up. Yep. It's, uh, Tops Big League Baseball is making its return uh, in 2023, and I'm super stoked about that. If you haven't, you know, we talked about it uh, last episode, but if you have never opened Topps Big League Baseball, I'm telling you right now, maybe other than Topps Heritage, it's the truest looking baseball card that you can open. Now, the set is meant 
primarily for kids. It's like a kid friendly <laughs> set. It's a budget friendly set. You can buy into a hobby box for, you know, 40, 45 bucks. I think one of the boxes you open has like a, like a figure in it, you know, that you can get. Um, but if you're looking just to have fun, a cheap set, open up some cards, tops, big league baseball is the way to go. Nice. You know, so good little plug. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're out there and you want to, you know, you want to open some cards, open up some tops, big league baseball, it's making its return. (laughs) Oh God. But another shocking, uh, announcement they made at this, uh, industry conference. And it happened, uh, by the way, this, it was all in Arizona. Um, they announced that Tom Brady is going to get his first ever baseball card with tops. Yeah. Um, they were speculating it to be released in Bowman draft. And they're saying that he's also going to have his own autographs as well. Yeah. That's going to be a wild, wild set release date. Yeah. And how do you, so what do you think about it? Like, what do you think about Tom Brady? I know they tried to many, many years ago, they tried to do this. I think it was like 2014, maybe somewhere around there. Uh, there was speculation that Tom Brady was going to get his first baseball card, never printed it. Um, to anybody who doesn't know, yes, Tom Brady was drafted by the Montreal Expos back in 1995. Exactly. Um, and now Tops wants to release their first ever Tom Brady card and give him an autograph. So how do you feel about that? I think it's great for, in terms of Tops. I think they're they're kind of capitalizing on any sort of market that can get their cards sold quicker and at even higher prices because Tom Brady that like we've talked about so many times already, he's going to be regarded as the greatest quarterback in NFL history. And now people who are like us, who are hardcore uh, sports card collectors and lovers of baseball cards now to get a chance to at Tom Brady's autograph on a baseball card in a set that's coming out in 2023. I think that, Everybody's going to be pouncing on Bowman Draft, and I think that the resale market for sealed product of Bowman Draft is going to be insanely high, mostly because of not only because of the, the draft prospects that you're going to be able to hit, like we've talked about, but now you've added in that extra factor of a like a goat hit, like a goat chase to try to get a, a Tom Brady autograph of him in his Expos uniform. But, but how, how do you think that card's going to stack up over time, though? Do you think it's just gonna, going to be like a hype card? Like people are going to really want to collect it right away when the set's released. But then like, you know, years to come, do you think people are still going to be like, you know, searching after that card? That's a great question. That's a that's a question that honestly, I, I, I don't think I have the answer to. Uh, my gut feeling when you asked it was that it's probably just going to be a hype card. I don't think that it's going to be like, really sought after the, the older we get people are probably going to be more interested in buying Brady's rookies and his uh contenders auto rookies and those first Tom Brady cards where he appeared in the Patriots uniform and actually the sport that he was eventually an amazing player in yeah. I, th- I think it's only going to hold I don't know I could be wrong I think it'll be pretty popular when it comes out and the numbered cards will be great if he does have numbered autos I don't really know what they're going to do I think the rarer the card, obviously the better, but I would st- yeah. I don't think it's going to last a long time. Yeah, cuz I mean you're you're going based off of, 
you know, you're going based off of hype in this. And then, and I'm assuming that's why they're printing it. The hype of Tom Brady, they're giving him a baseball card because they know it's going to make them X amount of money. You clearly, there's clearly probably plenty of Tom Brady collectors out there, you know, <laughs> avid Tom Brady collectors who only want to collect his cards. So yeah, right when this set's released, all of those, especially all of those collectors, they're going to be chasing after wanting this card just to have in their set. But in the long run, I don't, I mean, it, it's probably going to be extremely high when it comes out. And then you're just probably going to see this major drop off in the card unless you pull one of his autos. And like yes. you said, unless it's like a super rare out of five, out of 25, whatever they do with the card. Um, but speaking of other players that are going to be also getting cards, which whatever, <laughs> uh, <laughs> LeBron James. His son, Bronny James, is getting his first uh, Topps card, and it's going to be in the Topps Chrome McDonald's All-American game set. Oh, boy. And there and there's potential autos of Bronny James in that set. Dang. Yep. How do you feel about that? <sighs> <laughs> I mean, again, you're playing off the hype of LeBron James – Real, I mean, realistically, is are people going to be running out to get Topps Chrome McDonald's All-American game set? Like, you know what I mean? I mean, granted, yes, this is the future of your NBA, right? I mean, you know, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like Leaf, like the Leaf product, you know? Yeah. But, I, I mean, it's going to, like, again, it's going to be cool at first, and then I highly doubt people are going to care about it. <laughs> you know? Uh, and then they also plan on releasing a lot of uh, some world baseball classic sets as well for uh, 2023 around when, you know, when the tournament starts and stuff. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm kind of thinking that it's going to be very similar to what the world cup did, you know, and how uh, Panini released uh, prism sets for the world cup. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty cool too. You know, you could potentially find a uh, Shohei Otani auto in the set, you know, thanks. That'd be awesome. I mean, yeah, I'm guessing it's going to be something like that. You know, you're going to be – I wonder what they're going to do for – if it's all going to be around the players who are actually MLB players, like who actually play in the majors, or if they are going to make some sets maybe for some of these other players. You know, Or can they? Maybe Probably not, right, because they probably don't have the license for it. That's a great question. I I hope that they can can include these international players like – from players from Team Japan, uh, Team Italy, all those like all those other Team Canada, all these other teams. Even I don't. I'm actually kind of more interested in getting the non MLB players just to kind of have those cool autographs, and especially if they sign them in different languages, I think that'd be really really cool. Well, because okay. I'm I'm going based on, like what the first thing I thought of is that um uh that one Shohei Otani auto that you yeah. guys that you and Eric always talk about um where he signed it you know in a different language. And that's what I'm kind of thinking of as man, like, you know, team Japan, you might, you might get some really cool autos out of that. Yeah, exactly. It'd be, it'd be, and a lot of these Japanese players who they're, they're big. I'm usually, I'm pretty sure their, their goals is to kind of spend some time in Japan and make their way to the MLB. So there could be some players on these international teams that are eventually going to make their way to the majors and to get their card out of that kind of set, I think would be, would be really cool. Yeah, and it's unfortunate too that um, Seiya is now no longer going to be uh, participating in the classic anymore. Dang, really? 
Yeah, he uh, he has a um, side oblique uh, injury. Yikes. Or he has, like, tightness in his oblique, so he pulled out. So, yeah, he, pu- he pulled out of the World Baseball Classic. He will not compete in it. Wow. I didn't know about that, but that is – that's unfortunate. Yeah, because he would have he would have been uh, a cool card to collect out of that set. Absolutely, go Cubbies! Yeah, go Cubbies! <laughs> but that was th- those are just kind of like the main topics that I um, that I read and that I took away from you know from the industry confidence that Tops had and uh, you know it's a good outlook. I like that you know they kind of um, gave us a, a good insight on like you know what to look forward to for the year and. Like, like we said, you know, maybe hopefully them taking away some of those, some of those kind of less valued sets will help them put more time and energy on the sets that, that truly matter to the, you know, to the everyday collector. I agree. The quick last question. Do you think now that those sets that are being taken away, the previous cards that were printed, are they going to get more value? Is it going to be like a Pokemon situation? What do you think? Mm, I probably not. (laughs) Because yeah. honestly, a lot of these sets have been taken away before and brought back. Taken <laughs> away and brought back. Um, which one was it? Was it Tops Fire? Maybe. I know. Well, we all know First Edition was taken away and then they brought it back. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I think Gold Label was taken away prior and then they brought it back. And yeah, I think Tops Fire as well. So um, I think you might see it. In the future, I don't know. Maybe if it's just like a budget thing, like an every year budget thing, like that tops yeah. goes like, "Hey, this is your budget for the year, and this is how much you can, you know, pay to have cards printed." And then they realize, oh, "Okay, we can't do everything." Yeah, which is um, which is kind of surprising that they're bringing back big league baseball, but maybe they, <laughs> maybe they actually got a lot of backlash on it. I don't know. I don't know. Somebody at Tops listens to the listens to the Jelly Cards podcast. <laughs> They must have got my letter. Exactly. <laughs> they they keep getting harassed by some guy named Jason in Chicago. Yeah, but it's this is a good um for for them you know not releasing those sets. It's a good segue into what we truly wanted to talk about uh, on this this episode, and that was the our do's and don'ts of the hobby. So this is our own personal opinion on on what we did as as collectors or what we do as collectors and what we try to avoid, you know, our don'ts of the hobby. And we wanted to go over this and just kind of give you a little bit more of an insight and how we approach all aspects of the sports card world. Because, you know, last uh, episode we talked primarily about baseball cards, but now we want to, you know, dip our feet into everything. And, uh, it's a good segue into it because one of my don'ts of the hobby or one thing that I personally tried to avoid and you, you know, me, I, when we first got into it, I wanted to invest in everything. Yes. I really disliked the fact that we put all our eggs in one basket. (laughs) <laughs> which which was baseball. I didn't I didn't really like it. I didn't like the the path that we were going because I was always like, man, like, you know, there's a lot more potential in football. There's a lot of potential in basketball. Like we, you know, we're almost like, you know, we're missing out on money opportunities, right? <laughs> right. Now though, okay. Thank thank the Lord. 
<laughs> did not do that. <laughs> yes, I agree. Because what you end up doing is you end up stretching yourself out way too thin. You know, like you if you try to if you try to collect in everything for the purpose of reselling cards and making a profit, you should honestly, especially if you're getting into the hobby, focus on a sport, focus on a few sets of that sport, and Go and just do that until you get to a point where you're financially capable of being able to get into other sets and other sports. So my first don't of the hobby is don't try to invest in everything. Yes. And yeah. So what do you, you do? You agree with that? Absolutely. You can tell me I'm also stupid. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you you're stupid on the podcast, but I, I've told you many times to your face that you're stupid. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, I think that's beautifully said. Um, yeah. Even even when we started, before we started Jelly, and during Jelly, and currently while we're doing Jelly, all the time I I see it and I think about this. It's it's so easy to be drawn to these other sets and these other sports because you see the money and you want to be part of it. And you like, you see somebody sell a uh, Luca one of one for millions of dollars. And you think to yourself, Hey, I should be opening up uh, basketball national treasures. I should be opening up football national treasures, but it's, you can't let yourself fall victim to things like that. You kind of need to realize that, Hitting those kinds of cards is extremely difficult. You're not going to go out and buy two to three boxes of National Treasures and hit a one-of-one Luca Auto. You're going to spend all that money on two or three boxes of National Treasures, and you're going to hit like maybe one or two cards. And the hole that you've dug is going to be almost unfillable. You're going to you're going to dig yourself so deep that you're kind of just going to get immediately uh, uh, discouraged and upset, and you'll be you'll find yourself with empty pockets essentially. So we, I'm very happy. Like you said, like, thank God very early on. It was, it was honestly a stroke of luck that we decided to invest in Bowman. And I'm happy that we stuck with Bowman because it's, it's proven to be a set that people care about and they want people's first Bowman's because if we would have started at like uh big league, let's say big league baseball, or if we would have started at Allen and Ginter and kind of spent all the money that we had on those sets. That would have been rough. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We would be stuck with those kind of cards and just kind of scratching our way back into the into a profit area. So I think it's an amazing point. Don't get distracted by all the other cards that you see because there are tons of cards out there in every single sport, non-sport. No matter what, you'll find something, a collectible that someone will bring up and they'll say they they got this much money out of it congratulate them and then just move on with what you love collecting and what you love buying and selling because perfectly said jason you're going to stretch yourself way too thin uh, unless you get to the point where you have all this money to spend and you can dedicate certain amounts of money to certain sports and sets strongly recommend that you just kind of find your little niche and yep. build mm-hmm. build in it and stay in it for as long as you can and then eventually god willing you'll make so much money out of that little area that you can start expanding and start doing more with, uh, with the money that you make. You know, it, it's crazy too, because you know, if you go on like social media and you look at a lot of like breakers and, uh, or like other, like, you know, hobbyists and they're opening up cards. In my opinion, I feel like I see way more 
NFL breakers, NBA <laughs> breakers than I do baseball breakers. Yeah. I, and I, I see a lot more Panini product open than I do Topps product. Yeah. And and that's another reason why I'm saying, you know, it's just like you kind of get caught up in watching other people pulling all these like, you know, very expensive cards from these sets and it makes you go, well, what am I doing? Why am I not doing this too? <laughs> and then you realize you're trying to do too much Bingo. and you're actually hurting yourself more because now you're, you're not valuable in any of the sports you're buying. Unless, unless by some miracle you get lucky and you end up pulling a one-on-one or something, which, you know, the more you try to spread yourself out, the less of the probability you're going to get on pulling a big card. Exactly. You know, so, and that was uh, another good one too, is um, not trying to invest in everything, but also me personally, pass up on the paper product. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of done with paper product. Like, and, and what I mean by that is there's certain sets that print, like when the cards are printed, you have those chrome style cards, which are like, you know, like your Panini Prism cards, uh, obviously like your Topps Chrome, Bowman Chrome. Um, and then you have those paper style cards, which are like your um, top series, you know, opening day, uh, big league baseball, um, Panini uh, Illusions, you know, mm-hmm. Panini Absolute, you know, you have those type. Me personally, I'm not, I, I don't invest in that stuff. I've <laughs> opened it and I've hugely regretted it. Yeah, that's a great um, point. Yeah. And just because it's like Chrome style cards, they're just way more valuable in the long run than these paper style cards. You know, those paper cards are great at release date. But in terms of like overall value and what you're in, you know, what's going to accrue more money over time, they're never going to outsell those, those Chrome cards, you know, especially if a player has both a rookie card of a paper and a rookie Chrome card, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you agree? I do agree. It's uh, it's kind of unfortunate because I've mentioned it before that those paper cards are, the old school original baseball card collectors love but now that there are chrome cards and parallel cards and numbered cards autograph cards that come out like within months of those paper releases you kind of we've learned this along the way that it's if you do buy into those paper products you kind of gotta gotta hit something and sell it fast because once those chrome cards hit the market like we've talked about the value the money value in the cards that you are holding on to out of those paper products it starts to decline uh almost exponentially compared to the the rise of the chrome products and the the chrome autos and numbered cards and yeah i think it's it's really difficult to explain it to people who don't understand how baseball cards work but it's most important to just kind of find a focus and stay in it and then I think this ties into one of our most important do's for you, Jason, and me. And you just kind of got to do a lot of research when it comes oh, to oh yeah. when it comes to investing, quote unquote, in sports cards. Because this, everything that we're talking about, is all a product of the research that we put in 
in forming and establishing and continuing with jelly cards because yeah we we got super lucky we we bowman was our first choice and we've kind of stuck with bowman all the way through bowman and bowman draft but if like i just said earlier if we had started with a different product i don't know if we'd be where we at not where we are now or even a different sport yeah exactly it's you try to do your research in, in that you figure out your budget figure out what sports set sport itself and then sports set in general you can afford the most boxes of and then kind of stay in that little area and focus on it and don't leave it i it may be kind of i'm trying to explain it as simply as possible but if you say you have like $600 to spend find a way to either focus in on singles or focus in on wax and then kind of capitalizing as much as possible on the market that you choose to be a part of. Don't get distracted and buy other products because you're just going to, you're trying your hardest to increase your odds on hitting a, a card and selling it for more money or buying up as many singles as possible and kind of turning those individual cards into individual profits. Because the the further you stretch yourself out, the lesser your odds become to to get a profit or to become successful, so to speak. You know, for us, when we, when we talk about, and we've said this many times, when we talk about how we're up at, you know, three, four in the morning <laughs> and we're on eBay or reading articles about certain players, that's not, that's not an exaggeration. <laughs> I, I, me personally, I'm up early, you know, I'm up at three, four in the morning and I am reading articles. I read articles on so many players on different sports. And I'm just, I'm like I said, I'm doing my research, right? I know who you're buying. That's a, that's a big thing. When you're looking into a a player of whichever sport you're looking into, know who that player is. Because again, it's very hard to fall victim to you know, to the sports card world and you're watching everybody on, on social media or, you know, and you're hearing all the hype about a certain player and you go, well, oh man, I need to buy into this player too. Mm-hmm. But you don't even know who you're, you're investing in. I mean, we, we've gone to card shops before where, do you remember that, you know, a customer walks in and they go, Hey, you know, who who's the number one guy in 2020 Bowman or like who, you know, who is everybody buying into? And they're like, Oh, well, it's Jason Dominguez. He goes, Oh, okay. Do you have any of those cards? <laughs> like you, you don't even know what you're buying into. You don't, you have no clue on what you're doing and it's fine if you're new to the hobby, but do the research, you know, know, know what you're getting yourself into because you're, you're going to end up, missing out on opportunities you yes. know and when you know if this is something that you're you know you're trying to promote you know trying to grow a business or you're just doing it for fun but you still want to make a little bit of money on it takes time you know it takes time you're not going to always get lucky with every player that you that you invest in you know you you got to know like we we look at a lot of prospects you you're big on prospects <laughs> You know, you're big on finding those diamonds in the rough, right? You're you're trying to find those low market players that you can buy up for five dollars a card. Yes. 
And then that player ends up turning out to be, you know, tripling or quadrupling your money in the future. Bingo. You know, and that was another one of my dues is, is like I said, take advantage of the low markets. And that comes from doing your research and knowing who you're buying. Because you want to find those, you want to find those players that nobody else is paying attention to, because they're so focused on the, the most hyped player in the set. Yes, you know? you know everybody's running out in Bowman draft. Everybody's running out and wanting to get Elijah Green cards. They want to get Jackson Holiday cards, but there, are, there are other. There's plenty of players that are sitting there at probably a dollar or two that nobody's really paying attention to or their autos are only like 20 bucks to buy right now. Like I said, do the, do that research, go on MLB.com. I'm always reading up on prospects and reading up on, you know, and watching, I'll go on YouTube and I'll watch, I guess, film of them. <laughs> and I'm reading articles about them. I'm, I'm learning about the player. And that's how you find a lot of great buys. I mean, what, give me an example. Do you, you know, what, what one player, that you, you know, that you found that was like, oh man, this was, this was such a great buy that nobody else really was looking at. I mean, do you have one off the top of your head? I do. I have quite a few actually. So just beautifully said, just going off of what you just said about 2022 Bowman draft. Do you remember when 2022 Bowman draft came out and I was, (laughs) I was begging you guys to please go and buy the angels in this like two case break that, uh, uh, one-on-one card shop was doing on Instagram. I was like, I said, listen, everyone's spending like, so they were, they were doing two jumbo cases of 2022 Bowman draft. And the angels were sitting at like $90, 90 to a hundred dollars for two cases. And I was like, guys, everyone's like focused on Jackson holiday. They're focused on Elijah green, but there's a guy named Zach Nito in the angels minor league system. Mm-hmm. And he is an amazing hitter, and he's like he's a he came out of college and he's doing well in the uh, like in the draft. His looking at his stats from where how he played in college and how old he is. And as soon as they drafted him, they put him in I think double A or maybe even triple A because he was a older college level prospect, and he was doing well. And I was like, guys, we need to buy the Angels. We need to get Zach Nito cards. And then fast forward to like two months go by, Bowman draft is released. Now you cannot buy the Angels in a two-case break for less than like two to three hundred dollars. So that's just one example of of a situation where I love Bowman Draft so much and I love prospecting so much that I kind of go past the top ten picks or the top twenty picks and kind of try to avoid that expensive market because yeah, those those top five picks are always going to be expensive and people are going to be like foaming at the mouth to try to scoop up some of their cards. And I try to find later first round picks or early second round picks and look at their stats and decide, Hey, this guy has a first moment in this too. He has autos and his team in a break is selling for like less a, a third of the price of a, of a hobby box of a jumbo box or a fourth yeah. of a price. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather buy up as many of those cards as possible or kind of get into breaks where it increases my odds to hit a nice Zach Nito auto. And then, yeah, it's it involves research and involves taking advantage of the markets. And then one of my one of my biggest dues for that I kind of ties into both of this is you have to find a balance between buying and selling. You you need to it's really, really difficult. It's gonna be a learning curve almost, but it's wonderful to buy into prospecting 
but there's huge risk involved in doing that. You can't buy into Jackson Holiday and then just hold Jackson Holiday for as long as possible because there's always going to be a huge risk when it comes to buying prospect cards. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows if Jackson Holiday is going to pan out? Who knows if Elijah Green is going to pan out? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows if Zach Nito is going to pan out? Like you need to find a great balance, like what cards you want to sell immediately and kind of capitalize on that big market, the hot market. And then if you can afford to hold on to other cards of that player, it's it's kind of I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. It's like you can you can take advantage of buying and selling at different times and you need to find a balance. You can't just get you can't be stuck holding the bag, so to speak. Well, and it's it's a good kind of segue into one of my uh, one of my don'ts that I wrote down, and I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it kind of plays into that. I put down, don't be greedy, don't yes. be greedy. Let the market tell you when to sell. Yes, beautiful. And I've and I've made this mistake several <laughs> times. <laughs> I am still sitting on cards that were once a profit that are now a loss. Yeah. Um, uh, before I get into that, I also want to just comment on um, take advantage of low markets was uh, Jeremy Pena. Great nice. example. Jeremy Pena was a great example. I believe it was what 2020 Bowman that he had his first Bowman in, I, I think. Yep. <laughs> we made the mistake <laughs> of not realizing that we had a uh, 2020 first Bowman Chrome uh, Mega Refractor Green out of 99 of Jeremy Pena sitting in one of our boxes. And he was the World Series MVP. Yep. You know. Um, so again, it's it's like Jeremy Pena. You know, when when he got called up, nobody was really investing in Jeremy Pena cards, or if they were, they were getting great deals on him. Next thing you know, he takes off. <laughs> World, he's World Series MVP, and now and now all these players or all these buyers that were buying into Jeremy Pena back when nobody was paying attention to him. Now you can't even get his cards for cheap anymore. Exactly. You know, um, but yeah, going back into, you know, don't be greedy. Um, yeah, I've, I've made the mistake, you know, I've bought into cards where the markets tripled. Okay. <laughs> I've bought into markets that where it's doubled and tripled and I got greedy. You know, you're watching this market continue to climb and climb and climb and climb and climb. And you're now looking into, you know, you're almost creating scenarios in your head as to why the market's going to keep increasing rather than just being like, whoa, I tripled my money right here. I should probably sell it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, you know, I, I remember what was, it, it was the first, I think it was our first episode that I talked about my, uh, my Bowman Chrome Vladimir Guerrero Jr., uh, card in a PSA 10 is rookie card. Yeah. You know, I bought that card at, I think it was like $39. You know, that was back when he was going into that 2020, 2021 season where he was runner up in AL MVP voting. He was he heading into September, you know, with a chance to win the triple crown. And what did I do? <laughs> I held it and I kept holding it and holding it. And that card went from, $40 when the season started, it was at $70. It was already a profit. Once he got into September, that card was pushing 200. Yeah. And I got greedy and mm. I got greedy thinking, Hey, well, what if he wins MVP? What if he wins this triple crown? People are going to go nuts for it. <laughs> what I started realizing 
is that I, and, and this again is my own personal opinion. I think it's the hype or it's like, it's that unknown if the player is going to do it or not, that makes people want to buy into these players more than actually physically witnessing it happen. Yes. If that makes sense, you know, you're, it's the idea of, Hey, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Might do this. So everybody runs out and buys it. You know, everybody wants Vladimir Guerrero Jr. cards because the media is yes. putting in your head that, hey, this big milestone might happen. It's funny because uh, when Patrick Mahomes won his Super Bowl, his cards were actually selling higher prior to the Super Bowl versus when he won it. Exactly. And it's And again, it's the hype of, what if, what if this happens that everybody goes nuts over, but once it finally does happen, it's like, oh, well, okay. You know? <laughs> yes. So, I mean, is there any, any, anything more further that you want to add to that? Um, I think you said everything perfectly. Um, one of, like I talked about, one of my biggest things is finding balance. And then well, beautifully said, it's always going to be your, your market is always going to be influenced by hype and potential when it comes to the cards that we have, like Bowman, first Bowman's of players. Uh, but it ties into finding a balance. You can obviously, if you're, if you're buying established players in, in basketball, if you're buying Luka cards, if you're buying like Michael Porter Jr., you're buying John Morant cards or Zion cards or people who are already in the NBA, NBA and they're doing well, you're, if whatever card you buy or set you buy, your, your main do is to avoid risk and gambling as much as possible. Any chance you can to improve your odds and decrease your risk, by all means, you gotta, you kind of gotta focus in on that and figure out how to do that. Like I, we love buying Bowman baseball cards, and there's a lot of risk that comes with it. There's a lot. There's so many first Bowmans that we have in our collection that are never, they're never gonna sniff the major leagues. There's so many baseball players that I have in my collection, in my Bowman collection, that are never gonna make it to the majors. Yep. But you kind of gotta realize that once that. It's so tough because you don't know. You never know. You got to just kind of find a balance and not get greedy and think that, hey, one day this guy could become a three-time MVP, so I'm going to hold on to it as long as possible because you don't know. You There is no one who does know. You just kind of – you got to let the market dictate and decide <laughs> decide how greedy you want to be. And if, it, in my opinion – I think you, when it when it comes to deciding between buying and selling, for me, it's usually like if like if if this card was on the market, would I buy it? No, then sell it. Like that's that's how it is for me. If this card was available and somebody offered it to me for the price that it's going at, like if somebody wanted to sell me a Jackson Holiday rookie for or a Jackson Holiday auto for a thousand dollars, would I take it? No. Okay, then I need to sell mine. It's it's kind of gotten like that now that uh, <laughs> because we formed Jelly. Because before Jelly, and like I've talked about, we learned all this stuff along the way. I was always like, and kind of still am with most of my collection, I always want to hold on to cards. And I want to hold on to them for as long as possible because I want that player to become so successful. But it, it, it kind of ties into what you said with the greed. You can't let that kind of greediness and potential prey on you as a card seller. You kind of let you gotta let the card go to the market and let those people who are influenced by the hype and the potential of those cards let them eat them up, let them get them. And hey, if the player does become successful and they make more money, 
by all means, congratulations. They did a great job. But it, you, like we talked about previously, you kind of got to sell the card and move on. You can't look back. Just go buy the next card. Go buy the next box or buy the next slabs that you want to and decide what you want to do with them. And another, uh, another, my last do that I had on this, um, on my list, I think it's, you know, in this day and age of just everyday living, you know, social media has pretty much taken over, right? I mean, it, it, it sometimes it kind of preoccupies your life a little bit more than you wish it probably did. Um, <laughs> another one of my big do's is... If you're if you're getting into the uh, if you're getting into the hobby, or especially if you're trying to build a brand or build a, a company within the sports card world, engage with people. I think engagement's huge in this in this hobby, and I I really do think it's what's going to keep the hobby uh, thriving for the future is all the engagement you have with other hobbyists. Um, social media, like I said, it's such it's such a great way. To advertise because it's truly almost like the new way of advertisement in the world, right? Like, yes. I mean, us as, as Jelly, you know, and the reason why, um, why I, you know, I started the TikTok for us and stuff. And, and don't get me wrong, like, it kind of sucks. Like, <laughs> you know, you put all this time and effort into making these videos and doing all these posts. And like, there's some days where I'm like, ah, like, I have to post something, you know. Um, or like you do post a video and you think it's great and you think it's going to take off. And the next thing you know, on TikTok, you get like 200 views and only like three people liked it. And you're sitting there going like, well, I don't know what else to do. Like, how am I supposed to grow this? But the engagement aspect of it, I, is such a great way to help promote everything else. Because if you're out there and you're commenting on other hobbyist videos or, you know, you're creating conversation with others, like that's such an awesome way to help promote your own brand because you're, you're doing it all together, right? Yes. Like, and, and it's, it's a community that we are, that we're all in. It's a sports card community. We want to keep thriving because everybody else, I'm assuming probably has the same goals that we do, right? Exactly. Like, you know, you want to be successful in, you know, in a industry that is on is on the rise. Right. And yes, everybody else is doing the same thing, but we need to keep it moving. And <laughs> I do want to uh, give a quick shout out. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to 727 Cards. Uh, they're on Instagram. Uh, they also have a Facebook page as well. That's 727. It's uh, Cards with a K. Ends in a Z. Um, they have such a very strong social media presence on Instagram that they, what we love most about it and why we started this podcast, it's all about spreading the hobby love. And, and they do that. They spread the love of the hobby. You know, they've been, uh, been big supporters of us and our journey in the, in the uh, hobby world. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to them. Also, um, to anybody who loves sports card uh, shows and who loves going to them, they have a uh, upcoming show. It's in April. It's on April 8th. It's from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. It's in Darien, Illinois. Uh, if you're in the area, you like going to sports car, uh, card shows, or if you like to travel, if you're in a different state across the country and you like going to different uh, shows across, you know, in other states, definitely uh, check them out. Because, um, like I said, 
they do such a great job in, in spreading the love of this hobby. Um, check them out both on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Absolutely. But is there uh, anything else you want to add to that, Jim? I think that's a phenomenal point. The, what you said about engagement is 1,000% what got me into sports cards. I'm not exaggerating. I used to go to Walmart every Saturday with my brother and Dave, and we'd go hang out with, with the owner, Joe, at the time, and Ken. And that whole time, even if I didn't buy a card, I would just be there and just I would like look at cards and talk to Ken and hang out with my brother, hang out with Dave. And we would just spend that time there together and talking about sports cards and sports and life eventually. That's how that's the most beautiful thing about the about the card hobby. Like it you kinda you build those relationships with people and it extends beyond making money. It extends beyond your love of sports cards. Like you just start talking to each other about life and you become friends with people and that's kind of my like my one of my most important don'ts i it's unfortunate it's extremely unfortunate but one of my biggest don'ts is don't make purchases or even sales with people that you don't trust like don't don't buy cards or sell cards without some sort of protection because it's happened to me before where i've I've bought a card and then uh, no idea where it's at, asking the seller about shipping, uh, still not shipped, yada, yada, yada. You have to go through so many hoops to kind of get the money back that you spent or the card eventually that you want. And it's just such a huge headache dealing with people who don't you don't trust and who are kind of out there just kind of trying to take advantage of people and trying to scam people out of much as much money as possible. And I think the way to avoid situations like that is what you're talking about is to engage with trusted people in the hobby. Yeah. I'm happy that you shouted out 727 cards because yeah, it was so nice to see them support our podcast and support our page and reach out about card shows that they run because it's a wonderful thing. It's what kind of keeps the hobby alive and it keeps me in the hobby because once you start getting involved with people who are just way too interested in the money or way too interested in kind of capitalizing on other people's mistakes or other people's failures it's just off-putting for me it's it kind of makes it puts a sour taste in my mouth and i don't i don't like dealing with people like that because at the end of the day nobody knows what's going to happen with every single card the most important thing that i've gotten out of jelly and just sports card collecting in general is that engagement is that camaraderie that you build with people because you all share a passion and a love for sports cards. Uh, And that's just, that's just my, it's, it may sound weird to some people like, Oh no, I'm, if if you're out there, just no, I'm only interested in making money, this, 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 and this, then that's that's, great. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. By all means, right on. I hope you, I hope you make as much money as you possibly can, but, and, in terms of like advice that I could give people, I would try your best to obviously make money, but try your best to engage with other people because I'm almost certain that it'll end up forming a relationship outside of cards. And it's a wonderful thing that I think is the most beautiful thing about this hobby. And yeah, that's, that's how I feel. It, it could be, and there's been times where I've like, where I've given, I've sold cards at such a lesser value because the people that i'm dealing with are friends or like i go out of my way to give cards to people that i know would enjoy them i i'd rather sell like say i have a five thousand dollar jackie robinson rookie card i would rather sell that card for like 4200 straight up to a friend who i know would love it than sell it to some stranger who i don't even know 
and I, I like what if what if I sell the car to this person and they claim it never arrived you know what I mean like yeah. and then I have to deal with kind of figuring out what happened with the card figuring out how to get them their money back and, and how do I know that they're even telling the truth it's just it's situations like that that I've learned along the way that it's it's wonderful to engage with as many people as possible and it's as long as you you, you do it out of the kindness of your heart and kind of that mutual love for sports cards and the hobby in general i think it's it's a wonderful thing that is overlooked when you deal with people who are too focused on on greed i mean for you know for me personally like that's that's one thing that i want most like for jelly it i want us to have a card shop just so we can talk cards with everybody you know what i mean like i want that to like i want people to come into our our shop like we said, have that cup of coffee ready, yeah. sit down at a table, and I could talk cards with you all day. Or cards, sports, whatever it may be. It's all about just building the relationships, you know. Help building those relationships, they'll like like seven two seven cards, you know, they'll go out of their way to help you as well. Yes. And if the, you know, and somebody like them who like I said, they have such a strong presence on social media and have a strong following it takes those engagements with uh, with other hobbyists in order to help you as well you know and and those are the people you want at your side because those are the ones that are keeping this hobby alive absolutely you know so uh is there anything else that you want to add on to it <laughs> not that i can think of like even any other do's and don'ts that you can think of? <laughs> i think we've hit on almost everything um we obviously focus heavily on Bowman, but there are so many other markets out there. So don't don't um, only follow the path that we are on. Do your best to engage with people. Do your research. Find a balance between selling and holding. Um, avoid risk is my biggest thing. Avoid gambling. Like increase your odds as much as possible and decrease risk as much as possible. Those are my biggest things. Uh, and then. My boat. My biggest don't at the end there was don't make purchases or sales with people that without protection for the sale or the purchase, and with people that you may not trust. Yeah, it's the unfortunate part of the um, you know, of the hobby is that because it's it's grow it, it's it's growing so fast. You know, I mean, realistically, you know, twenty like we keep saying, twenty twenty is really when this hobby took off, and. The unfortunate part about that is that, you know, there are plenty of scammers out there. You know, it's it's something that you just got to deal with. But, it you know, they're like like John said, you know, make sure that you're, you know, you're just being smart about it. You know, you're looking into, you know, everything. You're protecting everything, uh, you know, just so you don't fall victim to it. Because, like I said, it's, it is the unfortunate part of the hobby. Yes, absolutely. You and, know, yeah, I just even another another example of us engaging with people and then becoming like friends is um like one of one card shop I've, i bought into so many of their breaks that i like uh their owner steve had a kid and i like messaged him and said hey man congratulations and he was like yeah thank you and nash cards too yep mm -hmm. like nash cards every time we the, we've only seen him i think once when we went to the national together uh Maybe, twice no twice, twice yeah we saw him at the spectacular exactly too. yep and every time we've seen him he's remembered us because we send cards to him and we engage on their page and um, he honestly one of one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet 
Yeah, he's a, he's a it's a great he's a great person to deal with, and I yeah. I love forming bonds with uh, like medalist breaks breaks the Clayton Murphy the who's a Olympic medalist who's like basically become a, a friend on uh, on cards and Buckeye from one of one and my friend Ty in California who helped us out with our basketball break when we had issues with people not paying and he was like yeah I'll buy it like just little things like that or you kind of I hope that people who are in this hobby you you develop these kinds of relationships where you can do favors for basically your friends and then you'll start to realize that they're they would do the same thing for you and it's it's a a beautiful experience that I think a lot of people could be missing out on yeah it's uh you know and shout out to uh one of my buddies too he um he's got his own uh so um social media page it's on TikTok uh he was formerly I think he still goes under a pro wrestling kingpin if you're into like wrestling cards or just wrestling in general definitely go check him out on social media uh check him out on TikTok again yeah it's pro wrestling kingpin he also goes by mark he's got his own show that he does uh sunday nights with two other uh two other of his friends it's called bad booking where they just they talk about what's happening in in wrestling nice. um, which i'm gonna ask him and uh because what you know wrestlemania is coming up in april oh boy I almost kind of thought about maybe we should throw in, <laughs> you know, some wrestling into it, you know, talk because obviously wrestling cards have really taken off now that Panini has uh, taken over the printing rights for them. Yeah. So maybe we can even dabble into some wrestling, you know, uh, talk about some uh, some of the, you know, the past matches, you know, things that we what you got to see when we grew up and stuff, you know, because we've been reminiscing a lot on wrestling you know, uh, in our group chat. So we have, yeah, that'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. Maybe you can yeah. convince your friend to get on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So please, you know, definitely reach out to us. You know, if you have any questions, like John said, and you want us to talk about it on the podcast, reach out to us on, you know, on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Um, we, like you said, you know, we love the hobby. We, we want to spread this hobby love, so yeah, if you have any any questions or anything that you know you want us to talk about in future podcasts, uh, you know, future episodes, or if there's stuff that in these uh, episodes that you don't even agree with us on or want to add to, please hit us up. You know, and John, is there anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? No, I think that was beautifully said. Um, yeah, I I welcome all challenges to anything that we say and especially all agreement that anybody has with the things that we say because it gives us an opportunity to talk about different things on the podcast if somebody mentions something that we didn't think of i not only can we talk about it on the podcast but it becomes beneficial for us as jelly it gives us like a fifth mind to think about the sports cars we're buying into and selling and things like that so no matter what anybody has to say it I, I welcome it on all our social platforms. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely. So, uh, yeah, so thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Again, please reach out to us on our social media. If you have any questions, comments, concerns about anything that we're talking about, uh, definitely, definitely reach out to us. And as always, keep spreading this hobby love from your friends at Jelly Cards. <laughs>